Father in heaven, we thank you this afternoon for your many blessings. We invite you to be here with us today. We invite you to be our instructor and to show us the way. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. amen. My name is Steve Dickman. I am the president and general business manager for Harvard Hills Academy in Savannah, Tennessee, and I serve also as the Southern Union ASI chapter president. And so I love ASI and uh, love what I do for education and uh, had opportunity a couple of years ago to attend a seminar. And the topic on the seminar was fundraising because we were anticipating the need to raise some funds for the school. Uh, went to this seminar. It was a one-day seminar. And when I finished with that one day, I realized that my uh, plan for uh, going to the future and raising funds had been altered and that I needed to come back just a little bit because the foundation for all successful fundraising is a strategic plan. Now, some of you may have come to the seminar this morning and learned about some of the details of fundraising, and those are important details to know. But the other thing that's important to know is that you need a strategic plan in place to move forward and with the documents, et cetera, that you will develop as you do your own uh, fundraising. And so this afternoon, we're going to address the topic of strategic planning and what it means. You know, there are some people that say, we shouldn't be planning today. We're living so close to the end of time that there's no reason to have a five-year plan. Well, I would question that. I believe that God requires us to do planning as we look to the future. And we can ask the question, does God have any plans? You know, if you look in the study of the Bible, does God have plans? Well, obviously God had plans. He had plans to create a world here, or we would not be in existence, would we? In fact, that's probably where the contention started in heaven when Lucifer was upset that he was excluded from the planning. So when he got excluded from the strategic planning committee, he got upset. Well, I don't know exactly how it happened, but, you know, some reason he felt like he was uh, being mistreated. Jeremiah 29, 11 says, For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you an expected end. And if you study this word that is translated here, thoughts in the King James Version, in some other versions it's translated plans. And God says, For I know the plans that I think toward you, the plans of peace and not of evil. And so God has plans. Jeremiah 50, verse 45, Therefore hear ye the counsel of the Lord, that he hath taken against Babylon and his purposes, that he hath purposed against the land of the Chaldeans. Now, another word that is also translated into plan sometimes is this word right here, purposes. So God has purposes. He has designs. He has thought about the future. Not only has he thought about the future, but he knows the future. Now, that's not a benefit that we have as human beings to know the future, but it is the one of the benefits that God has, knowing the future. This question, does God expect us to have plans? Proverbs 15, 22 says, Without counsel, purposes are disappointed. And again, that word can be translated plans. So without counsel, plans are disappointed. But in the multitude of counselors, they are established. Now, what is the they referring to? The they is referring back to the purposes. So if we have a purpose or a plan, we need to get some counsel. And so you might say that Solomon here in the Scriptures is recognizing the need to have plans and to have counsel that we adhere to as we move forward. Luke 14, 28. 
For which of you, intending to build a tower, sitteth not down first and counteth the cost, whether he have sufficient to finish it? Now, actually, the context here is more of a salvation concept because the context is talking about have we counted the cost of what it means to follow Jesus? And so certainly we want to count that cost. But I believe that in the Scriptures, when they are written for our benefit, they also include an application that may apply to us personally as we read and study that Scripture. And so I believe that this Scripture refers today to the fact that we need plans. God expects us to have plans. God expects us to have a way to move forward with His work that makes sense. We're going to take a couple of quotes here from the Spirit of Prophecy because often these quotes are referred to when people are talking about having plans. This one comes from Help in Daily Living, page 18, and it says, Christ in His life on earth made no plans for Himself. So we've just seen in the Bible, we've talked about the Bible concept of having a plan, but yet we see here that it talks about Jesus said He didn't have a plan. So how does this line up, and, and, and what about this? Should we have a plan? Should we as individuals and should we as organizations have a plan, or should we kind of follow this other method with no plan? What do you think? We should have a plan. Okay, so uh, that we should have a plan. Well, let's look a little more closely. Also from Help and Daily Living, page 19. Now notice that this is one page later. One page later, she says, Too many in planning for a brilliant future make an utter failure. Let God plan for you. So the concept here is that we need to have God involved in the plan, right? Now, if we're making plans for ourselves, then it's, it's, it's totally true we're in trouble. And we're going to make an utter failure of what we're attempting to do if those are our own plans that are made for ourselves in our own human wisdom and understanding. But if we will allow God to get involved in the planning process, then I believe that we can experience success as we plan. We need to ask Him to guide us in our planning. Okay, we need to ask God to give us special guidance as we think about planning. As we think about the future, if we don't kneel down first and say, Lord, help me that I will plan according to your will and not my own will. You notice what the, the, the previous statement said, Jesus made no plans for himself. A lot of times that's what we are doing. We're making plans for ourselves. We're not asking God what to do. We're not taking his counsel. We're not inviting him into the process. We're making a plan that we think is going to work. And that's where we get ourselves in trouble. Let's go on here. This comes from Review and Herald, March 1, 1887. All the enterprises in temporal earthly things prosper in proportion to the wisdom, tact, and concentration of powers exercised in acquiring the desired object. Just so must it be in our Christian enterprises. We must work according to God's Word. There must be wise planning. So here we see that uh, we have counsel that there must be wise planning. Now, if there are wise planning, then if there is such a thing as wise planning, then what's the alternative to that? Foolish planning, right? So we don't want to do foolish planning. We want to do wise planning. This is the instruction. This is the counsel that we have. 
You know, the children of, uh, it goes on to say, the children of the world are wiser in their generation than the children of light. And herein is seen their wisdom. Their object is for earthly gain. And to this end, they direct all their energies. And then she laments in this statement, Oh, that this zeal would characterize the toiler for heavenly riches. Are we as individuals putting as much energy into our work for God as we put into our business work? In fact, I would say today that our energies that we put into our toiling for heavenly riches should far exceed what we put into the toil we put into for earthly riches. Because earthly riches are passing away. There's something that will not be here. Well, what about tomorrow? Can you guarantee me that the money in your bank account or in your stocks or in your CDs is safe and that you can go get it tomorrow? No, you can't guarantee me that because it's obvious from the history of the last year or so that we've experienced that it is highly likely that this economy has not seen the bottom yet. In fact, there are people that say that it's highly likely that there could be a a continual downward trend and even a steep one at some point. I don't know. I'm not trying to predict the future. I don't know the future. So, why do we need strategic planning? Now, this word strategic can sometimes mess us up, so we want to be careful with it. And basically, what I'm going to translate that for you is I'm going to say, why do we need thoughtful planning? So don't get messed up by that word. Why do we need thoughtful, prayerful planning? Do you believe that God is strategic in his thinking? He said he had a plan before the world ever began to solve the sin problem should it arise. I say that's planning for the future. And I say he strategized about that. He thought carefully about that. And he worked out this plan that we call the plan of salvation. In fact, we call it the plan of salvation, don't we? So I say God has plans. I say God asks us to have plans. And I say that God asks us to think carefully about the plans that we make and to pray carefully about these plans and to counsel with others as we make these plans. To make plans in isolation is not a good, is not a good thing. We need to take others. Again, Proverbs, in the multitude of counselors, there is wisdom. So... Many counselors will help us to make wise plans. And the first counselor should be God. Well, let's go on. We're going to talk now some of the details about strategic planning. And this seminar today is a very practical kind of seminar. I'm speaking not as an expert in strategic planning. I want you to know that. I am simply speaking to you today as someone who has experienced it. And I'm going to share with you today some of my journey and some of my experience and hopefully it can be an encouragement to you. And so if you came to hear someone who's an expert in strategic planning, you're probably going to have to go to another room somewhere. I have experienced it. I have learned a lot from it, but I don't consider myself to really be an expert. Well, let's move ahead. Why do we need strategic planning? Is the organization you're working for, be it a business or a ministry, is there a change in mission, an adjustment or a tweaking of mission or an alignment issue that you need to make? Is your organization functioning just the way you think it ought to, or are there some issues that need to be addressed? If there's some issues that need to be addressed, 
then you may have what we call next, organizational uncertainties. Is that true? Wow. Certainly, there are a lot of uncertainties in our world today. And could they be organizational in nature? I think so. What about this? We need strategic planning because we need to make good decisions. If we have a good plan in place, then we can make more effective decisions. How about this? How many of you here today work in a ministry where you say, we would like to raise some more funds? Anybody? Okay. I see several of you saying, yes, there is reason for us to have fundraising efforts in our ministries. The needs are greater. The vision is greater than the reality. And so we say we have to connect those two things. And we do that by raising funds to help us move forward. How about this? Do we always allocate the resources just the way they should be allocated? Or do we sometimes, because we don't have a good plan, make a mistake on that? Now, uh, I'm going to just share a few stories as I go through here. I've lived just long enough to have a few experiences in life. Uh, I was at an ASI convention a number of years ago, and an individual came to me and said, they were really excited. Uh, they had been at their booth and taken care of business, and uh, someone had come by and made a significant contribution to the ministry. And they were just really excited about what this was going to do for the ministry. Today, that ministry is out of business. It is closed, and the assets are gone. Now we say, why would that happen? Well, the devil's at work. That's true. The devil is at work. There's no question about that. But are we planning well enough so that the resources put into our ministries are on a firm foundation? People ha can have confidence that the investment they're making in the ministry is one that has value. Okay? So, if you've been around a little while, you recognize, and you will recognize just like I do, that this sometimes happens. And we look at it and we say, oh, that's too bad. And you're absolutely right, it is too bad. It's too bad when it happens. We don't like it when it happens, but it happens sometimes. And it may be happening unnecessarily, because if we had done better planning or more thoughtful planning about the future, it might be that it wouldn't have happened. Okay? Now, how about this? Performance evaluation. Do we want to measure the success of our organizations? And if we want to measure it, how do we want to measure it? Do we want to measure it by somebody else's idea? Or do we want to measure it by God's idea? Have we been through a process of planning that says, these are the things that we've prayed about, we've counseled together about, we feel the Lord is leading us to do these things, and now we want to do these things. And we're going to see if we do these things. We're going to measure, how did we do on that? Did we accomplish that, or are we still standing back here waiting for somebody else to do something so we can actually get something done? So performance evaluation, organizational effectiveness. I think all of us would like to say that we are affiliated with the most effective organization that exists. But very few of us can say that. <laughs> I know personally for our school, we have been working on this. We're trying to become more effective. And it's a struggle. It's a battle. It is a battle to become effective in what we do. We're fighting all these things. And, and so it, it does not come easily. And we must recognize that. 
Strategic planning determines where the organization is going over the next three to five years. So that's kind of a little nutshell definition for you. What is strategic planning? It is a tool we use to determine where the organization is going over the next three to five years. So this is not, what are we going to have for breakfast tomorrow? Okay, this is what are we going to be doing three to five years from now? And so you want to think about that as you're, as you're thinking about your organization. So this tool, strategic planning, will do several things. It helps the organization do a better job. Should our organizations be doing great jobs? Yes, indeed. How about it focuses the energy of the organization? Have you ever seen someone who couldn't get anything done because they were trying to do so many things and nothing was ever completed? Isn't that kind of irritating? It's irritating when it happens to me. I'm at my desk one day, and I look around, and here's all this stuff stacked up. Where'd that come from? How come I don't have this project done? How come I don't have this project done? Well, maybe I'm attempting to do too many things. If I focus my energy on one thing, I can usually complete that. But it requires a plan in order to focus your energy. It ensures that members are working towards the same goal. Have you ever experienced this? You've been in a board meeting, you've been in with your organization, and somebody over here is doing this, and somebody's doing this, and they're not focused on the same goal. I think that we need to be focused in our organizations and have the same goal. We work together, we come together, we pray together, we plan together until we come to the point we say, we agree, we're going to do this. And it sounds simple, but it's not as simple as it sounds. And you know that from working with various organizations. You've experienced that, okay? It also helps us to assess our programs and what we are doing, whether it be a business or a ministry, helps us to assess those things and say, let's make some adjustments. If we need to make adjustments, then we can make an adjustments. But, you know, it's hard to make adjustments if you don't have a plan. Because everything is okay if you don't have a plan, right? So we need a plan so that we can make adjustments. Somebody said, well, you're not following your plan. Well, we made a plan, and we prayed about that plan, but now it seems like the Lord is giving us a little bit of adjustment to that, and a plan allows you to make an adjustment. You know, a plan's not something you cast it in concrete and you chisel it in stone but it is a tool that we use and it allows us to do good assessment and to make good alignment adjustments if necessary. Now, here's an interesting concept about planning. The purpose is not to decide what should be done in the future, but what? To decide what should be done now to make the desired things happen in an uncertain future. So it's not so much, okay, I'm going to make a plan that uh, three years from now I'm going to do da-da-da. No, it's you know, I'm making a plan so that I can do something now so that three years from now this will be true. And so when we look at this, it, it kind of, if, you, if you're not careful, you can think wrong about planning and think, I'm making a plan of everything I'm going to do. Well, how about this? How about we make some things plans for things that we think should happen, and then we go stepwise towards those things. So it's deciding what should be done now to make something come about in the future. So if we want a desired result, we have to have a plan to get to that desired result, okay? 
So here's a little graphical representation. You're standing in the present. You have a certain thing that you want for the future, and you need to know how to get from the present to the future. And that thing that's going to get you from the present to the future is called a what? A plan. It's a plan. When, when I left home a few days ago, I had a plan on how I was going to get to Arizona. Now, my plan didn't work. I had purchased tickets on a certain airline whose name I will not mention, and on the way to the airport, I had a plan. I was going to go from Tennessee to Phoenix, right? When I, on the way to the airport, I got to call my cell phone. They said, is this Mr. Dickman? I said, yes. They said, well, uh, your flight has been canceled. We had some problems with the plane. We canceled your flight. I said, now, um, okay. Uh, I'm on my way to the airport. The, you know, I have a certain plan I've made, and the flight's canceled. So the how does not always work exactly, but I still had my plan. I was going to get from Tennessee to Phoenix. It ended up I took the same route on a different plane, just about the same schedule, so it wasn't like a major interruption. But sometimes there are major interruptions. We still have a plan. We want that desired future. I wanted to come to ASI. It was just slightly interrupted along the way. So strategic planning is the process of determining what your organization intends to accomplish and how you will direct the organization and its resources towards accomplishing these goals over the coming months and years. I'll share another little funny story. I was on my way to South Carolina for a meeting one time from Tennessee. I had intended to fly because I had a short schedule, and uh, on the way to the airport, my car broke down. I fought with that car. I tried to get it going. I tried to get to the airport in time, and I missed my flight. So I spent some time working on the car, and I had to end up driving all night to get to my meeting. And so sometimes our plan is thwarted, but the end result doesn't have to be thwarted because we still have a, a desired result. We still have a goal for the future that to us is meaningful. And we say, I'm going to get there if I even have to go by a different route. But if we don't have a plan, we don't have that desired future established, we don't know. We, we, we can't say that we're going to get there. Okay? So it's how to get us towards accomplishing these desired results in a three- to five-year period. That's what we're talking about. Okay, so what strategic planning can help you do? It helps to determine priorities. It will strengthen the leadership of your organizations. It will define your measures of success and accountability. Did you know that if someone is going to donate money to your organization, they want you to be accountable? They want to know what happened to my money. Uh, well, yeah, we, uh, we, 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 they don't want to hear that. They want to know what happened to the funds that they contributed to your organization. You need to be accountable. It forms the basis for evaluations. We have a basis to evaluate ourselves. How about that, a self-evaluation? It builds, did you know that strategic planning builds energy and momentum for what you are doing. I want to share a little bit of our testimony here and, uh, you know, kind of share what has happened to us. But it broadens participation in your organization. Have you ever felt like you were on an island doing it all by yourself? If you've ever felt that way, then you need to get some other people involved. And the way you get them involved is you say, listen, Don, would you come and help me? We want to do some planning. We want to do some planning about how we can move forward. And so you invite people to come on board with you and to help you plan. 
That brings a level of participation, a level of involvement that it's hard to get in any other way. It builds stronger programs. It improves the finances. It analyzes critical issues. It focuses on excellence. Do you believe that your organization should be focused on excellence or that you should be just a half-wit about what you're doing? Well, I'll tell you something. Without a doubt, I believe that our donors want us to be focused on excellence. They don't want us to be doing a mediocre job. And so, if we're expecting to use our organizations as vehicles to accomplish plans, and we need donor participation, then we need to be accountable, and we need to have effective plans that can be carried out, okay? And they need to be excellent. All right, expected results. It will help you to clearly establish the purpose of the organization. It will help you to communicate your goals and objectives to those that are involved with you, your constituents. It will help to develop a sense of ownership among the people who participate with you. It will ensure the effective use of your resources. It provides a way to measure progress, and it builds a strong team. Now, there are certain critical steps in this process, though, that need to be considered uh, along the way. First of all, we need to... Um, get a process in place that we can live with to help us through the planning process. Because planning is not fun. Uh, contrary to popular opinion, it's work. Planning is not necessarily a fun job. It requires a lot of work. It requires a lot of time. It requires a lot of energy. And if your organization is anything like mine, we're short on time, we're short on energy, and we have enough to do without sitting down and taking days of our time to talk about the plan. Okay? We have enough to do without doing that. And it requires a commitment. And so you have to get a process together that is going to allow you to do the planning. Okay? Then you have to clarify what are the mandates of this organization. And I'm going to go through these and then I'm going to give you some more detail on each of these points. Okay? You need to determine purpose and direction. You need to assess the external and internal situations, what's happening externally and internally. You need to identify critical issues. You need to maybe define or redefine your mission, your vision, your core values, and your, uh, your vision for the organization. Formulate goals and objectives. You need to review and adopt your strategic plan. Unless you adopt it, you can make all the plans you want. They're never going to be successful because you haven't actually said, yes, we're going to do this, okay? And then you need to develop um, what we would say action plans, uh, refine the vision, develop action plans, and then implement the plan. And once you implement the plan, you go through a cycle again. You implement it. You monitor how you're doing. You evaluate the plan, and you may revise the plan. So you put a plan in place, you put it to work, and you see how you're doing on the plan, and you evaluate that, and then you say, looks like we need to make a little adjustment, and you start the cycle all over again. So it's a continuous cycle of looking to the future, determining what expected end you would like, and then with that expected end in mind, you work your way towards that goal. And if it requires that you drive instead of fly, if it requires that you hike instead of drive, if you have a determined spirit to get to that expected end, and we invest our energy in that way, I believe that the Lord will bless and we will arrive at that expected end if we have done the appropriate planning. That means that we have prayed, 
We have counseled together. We have invited the Holy Spirit to guide our minds. We're not doing this in a vacuum. We're doing it together under the guidance of the Holy Spirit, forming effective plans to get to the future. Okay? Um, let's talk a little bit about the process itself. The first thing I recommend is that you get your board action to support your efforts. You can do a lot of work and take it to the board, and they're going to throw you out, potentially. Not always, but could happen, right? And it's going to cost a lot of your time, energy, and money, so it's better if you have the board with you when you begin the process. So you get board action. You go to your board and you say, I have an agenda item today. I'd like to talk about strategic planning. And uh, I believe that our organization could benefit from doing some strategic planning. And the board's going to look at you and they're going to go, where did you come from? Most of the board members that function in our institutions, unfortunately, are not familiar with this concept of really doing long-term planning, effective long-term planning. Okay? That's just life. We have to deal with it. We have to educate the board about what this means. We have to show them the benefits of doing this. And so, in our situation, I had been to this seminar, and I came home, and I said, we got to do some strategic planning. Now, you know, I, the kind of person I am, I'm kind of like this. Uh, I heard the seminar, and it, it finally registered in my brain. I had heard this before, but it didn't really register. But when I went to the seminar, I sat all day in the seminar, and, and I heard this, and it registered finally. I've got to do a strategic plan. And so I went to the presenter afterwards, and I said, listen, I said, I understand I have to do a strategic plan. You've made that clear to me. If we want to be successful in moving our organization forward, then we need a good plan. And donors expect that, and everybody expects that, and it's the foundation of what we need to do to move forward. So once I got that in my brain, I said, okay, I understand i got to do this, but you know, it, to me it sounds like medicine, and I don't like medicine. In fact, when I take medicine, I like to take it really quick. So um, if I've got some medicine, especially the kind that doesn't taste good, I'll go gulp, and I want it down, I get some water and chase it, and it's good. You know, I can, I can live with it unless it makes my stomach sour. You know, comes back up. But anyway, we want, I want to do it quick. And I said, is there a way that maybe you could help us, and maybe in a couple of weeks we could do this? And she just laughed. She recognized, she knew about the process, and she just kind of laughed. I want you to know that it, in our case, it took us a year, actually a little over a year, to go through this process. So don't expect that you're going to go home after hearing this little short idea about what we're talking about and suddenly crank one out in an afternoon. You know, that was my goal. Really, I'm a very task-oriented kind of person. I, I need a strategic plan, I'll make one. <laughs> you know, that's not the way it works. We need a process that involves people that brings in a consensus for the organization that helps you to move forward, okay? So get that in your mind. It isn't going to happen in two weeks. It isn't going to happen in six weeks. It's going to take you six months to a year if you're in a hurry, okay? So when I went to the board, I said, we need a strategic plan, and there are a couple of ways we could do it. I'd already investigated this and recognized that probably my timing was off and it wasn't going to happen in a couple of weeks, I said, we can do it ourselves. I can get a, uh, some books and manuals, and I think that we can learn about this process and we can do it ourselves. I said, it'd probably take us maybe one to two years to do it that way. I said, or we could hire someone to come and help us 
through the process, and we could probably do it maybe in six months to a year. But it's going to cost a lot of money to hire this person to come and help us. And so I just want you to be aware of what our options are. We discussed our options back and forth, and the board finally took an action. They said, we're going to vote that the um, institution is going to conduct a strategic planning process, and we're going to hire a consultant to do it to help us through the process because you get bogged down in planning. I'll tell you that. You can easily get bogged down in planning because you're, it's so internal. You're thinking internal and you need somebody that thinks external and can help you through the process. So we, we finally uh, uh, got a fellow to come and help us with the process and uh, he started recommending things. He said, set up a strategic planning steering committee. I said, okay, how do I do that? He said, well, just think about who could help you on a, for your organization that could steer the thing along without you having to do it all. Okay, so we did that. And he said, then you need to get a strategic planning steering com uh, committee. And so you have the steering committee, and then you have the committee itself. So the steering committee is a small part of the large committee. So your larger committee, your strategic planning committee, you want that to be very broad. For us, we, we went out to... Uh, I invited people from ASI. They, we're, we're a member of ASI, and I said they might like to be involved. I invited people from the Lehman Foundation and OCI, and I invited parents, and I invited students, and I invited faculty, and I invited teachers, and I invited staff members, and I invited other people that I just thought they got good sense. Because if you're doing planning, you want somebody that has some common sense, some good sense, right? I said, that person has, has some good sense. I'd like for them to help us. And so, in the end, we had about 30 or 35 people on our list. And we came together and began the process. So you're going to need some committees, and it's going to take some time. You need to determine what time frame you're going to work within. And so, after we finished with our consultant and realized it was going to take all the time it was going to take, we were a little disappointed. He said, well, we'll start here. When do you think you can do your first on-site uh, meeting? I said, well, I don't know. How long is it going to take? He said, well, we have to do this, 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 and this before we can do that. I said, well, that's going to take a while. So we began to establish some schedules and set some timelines. And in the end, it took us, um, you know, I think we had three on-site meetings, two or three days each session, intensive days from early morning till in the evening. I mean, we worked six or eight hours every day intensively. I don't know what I'm bumping with that, but I'm sorry. Anyway, we worked intensively on our plan with a group of people who had dedicated their time and energy to come and help us. This requires not only your sacrifice, but it requires people who are going to help you to sacrifice their time and energy. And so when you involve them, and not everybody made it every day. You know, we had people in the list, they said, well, I can't make it today. Okay, or I can't come for this on-site session. Because we had people from all over coming. We invited parents that lived in Florida to come to Tennessee and help us with our planning. Because they were good, solid parents. We think they know what's going on. They have a kid here in school. They'll be a good contributor to this process. And so they couldn't always make it. But it's important that you set up a timeline and try to follow that. Now, one of the things that's important as you think about this, we talked about the mandates of the organization. In our case, there were certain things that were not up for discussion. And that's probably true for every organization. We are a school. We were not going to become something else. This was not about planning to become something besides a school. We were still going to be a school. We were still going to be a boarding school because that's who we are. So that wasn't like, okay, we're going to change the plan now and we're going to become, you know, some other kind of school. It was like we're a boarding school and 
some of our mandates were, we're going to adhere to the principles we find in the Bible and the spirit of prophecy. We're not going to deviate from those. We're going to take our marching orders from the Bible and spirit of prophecy. The consultant we hired was not an Adventist. I told him, if you're going to work for us, you have to read this book. And I gave him the book Education. He said, oh my. I said, this is understanding who we are. You need to have this information because you're going to run into some things. Our people are, have a certain mindset about this that you don't have. His expertise was working with private schools. So he was, he was specifically working only in the area of private schools. So as we hired him, we knew that, and that's what we wanted. We wanted someone that was, had some experience in that. And so he brought his experience, and we taught him about education the way we do it and believe from the spirit of prophecy in the Bible and he was able to bring all that together for us and help us but you need to set your mandates if there's some things that are not up for discussion then state it up front you know make it clear up front we're not going to discuss this this is it this is this is this this is us we're not discussing that and make sure that those things are few you don't want a whole lot of those things or your committee will get discouraged okay you need to assess what's happening internally and what's happening externally in your organization. He came on site, our consultant came on site, and he began to interview. He says, I want three or four people at a time. I want to see every student. I want to see every staff member. I want to see every board member. I want to see every constituent member. I want to see your friends in the community. I want them to come in. I want them to spend 30 minutes with me, two or three at a time, and I'm going to ask them a whole bunch of questions. And so he would bring these people in two or three at a time, and he would start his questions. And the process was to assess the health of the organization. Are there some soft spots? We need to know about them. And so you need to assess your organizations inside, from the inside, and from the outside. Uh, you need to do what they call a SWOT analysis. Strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats. What are the strengths of your organization? Can you capitalize on those? What are the weaknesses? Can you strengthen those or minimize those? What are the opportunities that exist for you? And what are the threats that are on you right now? I'll tell you, when we started our strategic planning, it was about a year ago. Uh, no, it was July, August, two years ago, whatever it was. It's been a while. I can't keep my time straight. But we started, and soon after we started, guess what happened to the economy? It started this nosedive. We're sitting in meeting and doing strategic planning, and I'm in the back row on my computer watching the stock market, which I shouldn't have been doing, but I was, it, was, it was of interest to me that day because it was plummeting. It was plummeting 9,000, 8,000, and over the, I mean, it was like, I can't believe this is happening. I'm sitting there, my, I'm just thinking, what are we doing? We're sitting here planning, and this is an extremely uncertain situation. Are there some threats in our society today? For every organization that exists, I guarantee there's threats all over the place. We run a school. There's threats of lawsuit from parents. There's threats of the economy. There's threats of, and you can just name, just stack them up. There's a whole bunch of them. The labor department doesn't like us. They don't like the way we do things, you know? And the list goes on and on and on. So you need to understand what's threatening your organization. You need to make a plan that says, yes, we understand that's out there, but here's what we're going to do. We're going to build a little wall right here. We're going to protect ourselves the best we can, and we're going to move forward. You know, the Bible says if you look at the sky and say, well, I can't plant today because it might rain, that you're a bad farmer. You're never going to get a crop, are you? Because you're looking at every little threat and say, well, I better not do that because, you know, it's a slim chance of something. So we have to carefully evaluate these things. 
You need to survey your constituents to determine issues. Let me tell you something. This is a very valuable process that you're going to go through. You need to include as many people as possible as you survey your constituents. You need to really get broad. You need to go out there and, and get people that are loosely affiliated with your organizations as well as those who know you very well. And you need to ask them. You need to ask them in form of a survey. We, can, we conducted like six or seven online surveys, and each survey had a whole bunch of questions, but they were to different groups. We wanted to know what the students thought. We wanted to know what the parents thought. We wanted to know what former students thought. We wanted to know what former parents thought. We wanted to know what our board members thought. We wanted, and we went on and off their list, and the consultant says, man, you guys have got a lot of surveys you're trying to do. I said, we want to know. We want to know what do these people think. We want to know their opinion. We want to know, are we weak in this area? Are we strong in this area? What do we need to address? So make it as broad as possible. Use email. Use online surveys. That's the quickest way to get information. There's tools out there. You can get an online survey. It tabulates all the results for you. It gives you all the statistical results. You know right off the bat, hey, here's how 90% of the people said, we don't know what we're doing. <laughs> oh, you're in trouble, okay? Or 90% said, hey, you're doing a good job in this area. So you know that's a strong area. So you need to do that. It needs to be anonymous. It needs to be people can get online and fill it out and no one ever knows who filled it out. Because people might not be totally transparent unless they can do it anonymously, okay? Tally those results. Look for trends and issues. Here's a, here's a key thing. Don't leave any stone unturned. Let me tell you something. If you go to the work of doing this, you don't want to get done, and somebody raises their hand and say, you know, we didn't think about da-da-da-da. No, you do not want that to happen under any circumstances, if possible, for somebody to come and say, why didn't you think of this? Isn't that true? I mean, just think about it. You're spending all this energy and this time, you're doing this exercise, and you get all done. Somebody says, did you think of this? <laughs> No, it's better to get it all on the table at the beginning, okay? And these issues, if you don't find them as you're in this initial stage of your planning, they can sabotage the whole process. You get down to the end, and you go to the board meeting, and you present them with your plan, and you say to the board, here's our strategic plan. We would like to get your approval today. And one board member raises their hand and says, I have an issue that has not been addressed. Uh-oh. <laughs> You're in deep trouble. Okay? You're in deep trouble at that point. So it's better to get everything on the table in the beginning. All right? So don't let those things go unturned. Keep digging. Keep digging. If you find something, go a little deeper. Say, well, what did you mean by that? How do you think that affects our organization? Ask some more questions. Get some more information. All right, so out of this process, you need to, like I said, we develop a mission statement, a vision statement, and, or tweak them. If you have them already, you need to uh, tweak those, address those, tweak them up a little bit, and make sure that they are saying for the organization what needs to be said. Uh, how many of you here today can quote the mission statement for the organization that you work with? Uh-oh. Now, I hate to tell you, but you should have that on the tip of your tongue. If you have invested yourself in working with an organization, you need to understand what it's about. You should be able to say that mission statement very clearly 
to anybody that asks you. And it may not be a verbatim quote, but you need to be able to express it in your own words very, very clearly. At Harvard Hills Academy, we believe that every young person is entitled to an education that includes an academic and a vocational and a spiritual component. And we want to do that in the most excellent way so that our students are prepared for service, not only in this world, but the world to come. Now, if you can't quote your mission statement, if you don't know what your mission is, your organization is going to run flat. You need to know what your mission statement is. It needs to say who you are. It needs to say what you do. It needs to say who do you do it for. It needs to say why you do it and a little a bit about how you do it. Now, you could really get bogged down this because you could make books out of this, right? But you have to figure out how to do it in a sentence or two. Okay? Brief. It needs to be simply worded and easily understood. Don't use a bunch of jargon. That isn't going to work. People don't like jargon. They don't understand jargon. And they know it when they see it. You need to make it clear, simple, and brief. Okay? It, but it cannot be universal. We exist to provide education. Okay. That's a public school. Right? Um, you, you have to be specific. And it has to be specific to your organization so that someone will know when they see that and they see your organization, these two things match up. So it has to be specific. It has to be clear, okay? And it should have a primary thrust or a, a vision to it that compels people to say, hey, I understand what they said, and I'm ready to get involved. I'd like to help them accomplish that, okay? So it, it, uh, it takes some time. Here's an example. Did you know what Google's mission statement is? Okay, just a little trivia here. To organize the world's information and make it universally accessible and useful. Now, that's a pretty big mission in it. They want the whole world's information. You know how much information is flooding into our world today? It's coming in by the bucketful, by the truckloads every day, new information coming in. And their objective is to organize it all and make it universally accessible and useful. That's, that's, a, that's a big mission. Okay, Amazon says this. They want to build a place where people can come to find and discover anything they might want to buy online. So you're going to buy something, they want Amazon to be the place that you're going to go. And I go there for a few things. I buy a few things online from Amazon so I can say they have partially accomplished their mission with me personally anyway. Right? Okay, here, here about this one, Toastmasters Club. To provide a mutually supportive and positive learning environment in which every member has the opportunity to develop communication and leadership skills, which in turn foster self-confidence and personal growth. Uh-oh, what's happened here? These are getting a little more wordy, aren't they? You're getting a little longer, you're getting a little dry by the time you get to the end of it. You need to keep it short, you need to keep it brief. Uh-oh, <laughs> how about this one? This is the Jeremiah program, which is, um, uh, has a whole paragraph for their mission statement. It, it, it's really, you know, if you want to memorize that paragraph and be able to tell somebody in a couple of seconds what your organization does, you're going to be in a tough way, okay? So, you know, just to show you that there are levels of clarity that can be achieved by continuing to work on this. How about this? Your organization should have a vision about where it's headed. Not just a mission, but it should have a vision. And here's some criteria for a vision statement. It should be compelling in a conceptual way of the desired future. So you want a statement that very succinctly says what your desired future is. 
You don't want to have to beat around the bush about it. You want to be very succinct and very direct. This is what our desired future is. It gives people an idea. Okay, they heard that. They know where you're headed. Okay? It should say a little bit about where and what you want to be. Uh, a critical ingredient for change. It should indicate we're headed somewhere. You're not there yet, but that's where you're headed. Okay? And um, it should represent a constant purpose. It should inspire someone and invigorate them when they read it. They should say, okay, I like that. I can get on board with that. And it should be your ultimate standard toward which you measure your progress. Now, when we did this, we studied for a while and we went through this process. And our vision statement at Harvard Hills Academy, we are focused on exceeding expectations. So we got it down to two words. Now, Harvard Hills Academy says who we are. We're an educational institution. So we would like to exceed your expectations in education. When you come in contact with Harvard Hills Academy, we want it to be something where you say, that was better than I expected. When I answer the phone, well, I got a better answer than I thought. The student says, I got a better education than I thought I was going to get. The parent says, they treated my child better than I thought they would. They provided better environment, better education, all these things. It should exceed. And so that was our concept of what a vision statement for us would be. And, and you'll notice, we've given you an example. And the reason I've done this, uh, not just to, you know, we're not just promoting Harvard Hills Academy here. I want you to have something concrete to take with you that has for you um, an example of what you can do for your organization. And uh, so you have here our complete strategic plan. You have our uh, bookmark and, a, and a, a postcard and a brochure about the school and a newsletter and, and uh, some other stuff we're going to address here in a little bit. But you'll notice it all kind of has the same feel to it. When you look at it, graphically it ties together. It's important for your organization that when someone sees something, they say, oh, that's from whatever. They, they know your organization when they see it by the way that it looks, by the way that it feels. They go to your website. We're currently redoing our website. I don't know if it's done yet. HarvardHills.org. You go there. It should look like this. It, we're, we're still in this process. We're not done, but uh, we're on a journey, okay? So you want to have where people, when they come, they see what you're doing. Okay. Okay. Um, Brief, memorable, inspiring, challenging, appealing, enduring. Uh, it should envision what in five years in the future you, say you were a journalist reporting on your organization's progress. What would you see? Had you made progress in your mission, in your staff, in your services, your structure, your program? So your vision statement wants to encompass that. You should have core values for your organization. How will we conduct ourselves? Are we going to be ethical? Are we going to be considerate of our people we, if they're clients? Okay, you want to have certain criteria. When you come in contact with a client, how do you treat that client? How do you deal with that client? What's your criteria for operating? Are these your core values and are you living up to them? Okay, um, that's important for your organization. It should express the organization's attitude about people, the way employees or clients are treated, the process, the way it's managed, how decisions are made and services are provided, the performance, the expectations regarding the quality of service. Okay? We're going to take, uh, take out your strategic plan here. We're going to just look at a couple of these. It's important that you uh, see uh, in, the, in the real some of these things. Guiding core values, and um, it's about three pages into the booklet here, three or four pages in. Um, 
It says, providing a harmonious environment in which all students are encouraged to know Jesus Christ as their personal Savior and friend. Okay? So that's one of our guiding core values. We want a harmonious environment. And the list goes on. That's just an example of what a value statement is. Out of our process, we ended up establishing eight different goals for the institution. So we're going to talk about what a goal is. A goal is the desired result after three or more years. It's not something that you're talking about, like I said, what's for breakfast. You're talking about what is the desired result after the next three to five years. And we ended up with eight different goals. Okay? They, those goals should be in harmony and should clarify your mission, your vision, and your values. So you have to go through a process. Make sure you got the good mission statement and it's correct. Make sure your vision is, is, is good. And make sure you have a set of values that you're going to base things on. And then you begin to set your goals and all this ties together. Make sure that it will fulfill or contribute toward fulfilling the mission of your organization. Make sure it addresses the priorities and critical issues. Make sure it will tend to remain unchanged and that it will normally be encompassing a long period of time. It will address gaps in what is and what the desired future is. So yes, it's true, we're not here, but that's our goal. This is where we're going. We're here today, we're going over here, and that's our goal. And they can say, well, you're not meeting that goal. Say, so you're right, we're on a mission to meet that goal, though. We're on a path, we're on a journey to meet that goal. Would you like to help us? See, that's a good entering, isn't it? Would you like to help us meet that goal? When they say you're not meeting your goals, you say, you're right, we're not there yet, but would you like to help us? You got another volunteer on your side then. If they like your goal, and they say you're not there yet, you say, and you admit it's true, then you invite them to help you. Hey, it's a great way to bring people on board with your organization. And it'll chart a clear organizational future. Make sure that these things are with you and your authority. Don't decide that your organization is who's going to be the one that determines who's going to be president of the United States. Because that's not under your authority. That's not your business. Make sure your goals that you establish are within the authority of your organization to actually do. Okay? They should be challenging, but realistic and achievable and measurable. Okay. Um, goals, though, are not the end result of your strategic plan. There are objectives that support your goals. So you have a goal, and then there are specific objectives that will support that goal. And then underneath that, there are specific action plans that you're going to make that will support the actual accomplishment of the objective. Now, we're going to give you an example of this, so don't get too tied up in the lingo. Picture it this way. You've got a big goal in the next three to five years that you want to do, and then there's some things that are going to tell you if you made the goal, and each of those things is going to be broken down to three or four little steps, and you're going to say, we're going to do this, this, and this to accomplish this one. We're going to do this, this, and this to accomplish this one. We're going to do this, this, and this to accomplish this one. And when those things are done, we will have met our goal. Okay? So that's kind of the... Uh, way that it works. So here's an example that for us. For instance, in our campus and facilities, uh, goal was read like this. To fully realize the revitalized mission and vision and to allow programs and people to thrive, we need to enhance the school's physical plant and grounds to provide a safe, attractive, and functional environment in which to learn and to live. So that was our goal for our physical plant. We said we need it to be safe, we need it to be attractive, and we need it to be functional. Now, is it safe, attractive, and functional right now in every respect? No. 
So this gives us something to work towards. We have a goal that we're working towards over the next three to five years to make sure that everything is safe, everything is attractive, everything is functional, and not only that it's safe, attractive, and functional, but it goes beyond because our vision says we're going to exceed that expectation of just going to the minimum level. So we've got our work cut out for us, you know, and it's, you're going to have your work cut out for you. I'm, I'm not going to sugarcoat this. Strategic planning is a lot of work, and when you're done, you're going to have a lot more work to do. <laughs> but I can also encourage you and say that it's a good process and you won't be disappointed. So an objective under this, one of our objectives under this was to create and implement a five-year major maintenance and re renovation program for school facilities and grounds to ensure that they're aesthetically acceptable, functional, and safe. Again, it goes back to the goal. And it says we're going to make a five-year plan for maintenance and renovation. Oh, boy. <laughs> that's an endless list. But that's what we have set before ourselves to do. Now, how are we going to do that? There's some specific tasks that need to be done to make sure this happens. So let's look at that. The first task under that was we're going to prioritize the maintenance and renovation and new construction needs within the next five years to present to the board in a written document. So who's going to do it? The Facilities and Grounds Committee is going to do it. That's the who. We're going to do it by August of 2009. I've got a few more days left. Whew. I'm not done yet with this. And this is real for me because I'm living this strategic plan. I helped to create it. Now I'm living it. So I tell you, this is, you know, it's going to put more work on your plate. Okay? But when we have our September board meeting... I'm to bring to the board, the Facilities and Grounds Committee has the responsibility to bring to the board a written plan that says these are the things that need to be addressed for maintenance, renovation, and new construction for the next five years on this campus. That's going to be a powerful document. <laughs> now, um, it, yes, it's going to be a lot of work. How are we going to know if we got it done? When we have that September board meeting, if we don't bring the document to the board and lay it on the table and say, board of directors, here is the document that the strategic plan says we were going to give you, then we're going to know we did not meet that specific action plan. And the board's going to say, so uh, Mr. Dickman, tell us why did we not accomplish this? Well, we had a few interruptions during the summer and da-da-da-da. Okay, so when will you have this for us since we don't have it in August? Well, let's, let's do this. Let's say we're going to have it by the December board meeting. And let's shoot for that. So there's adjustments that are going to happen in the plan. We know that. Things take longer. Things cost more. That's just the way it is. They, you know, you say, I can do that by August. Well, you may not get everything you said you were going to do done by August. But you want to make your plan as realistic as you can because it's a challenging uh, document. What are the results? Well, it took us about a year. The board actually did adopt the strategic plan when we were done. Praise the Lord. Nobody threw us out. They didn't throw the document out the window and say, well, that's not going to work because we had them involved all along the way. And we have now aligned the board. How about if your board knew what they were doing? Would that be a benefit to you? So we divided the board up, and we said, uh, let's see, uh, we're going to put three people that are going to help us make sure we accomplish our objective for um, a campus and grounds. 
And so we took three of the board members and we assigned them to the campus and grounds area so that they're involved. They're not just sitting there. They're involved now and they're involved in helping you to accomplish your objectives and helping you to do these things. And they got their hands dirty. How can I help you? Well, listen, we've got to get this done and we don't have the energy or time right now. Would you help us? So they're involved. Okay, so it helps to align your board with your strategic goals. The administration has to implement the plan, and uh, we're doing that right now for our institution. We're implementing the plan, and we're having a great time doing it. (laughs) I didn't say always fun, but it's a great time because we recognize that we've set before some things that are just a little bit above and beyond what would be normal. And so we're stretching ourselves towards these goals. The boards and subcommittees are involved. The board is focused on, on and on task. That's kind of a theoretical statement. You're never going to have your board totally and completely focused and on task. But if you can get to that 90% level, hey, you got the thumbs up signal, right? Maybe you're at 50% now. You say about half my board's really involved and focused. I'd like to get it up to 90%. Your job as an institutional, as an organizational leader, as a business leader is to train your board. No, you said, I thought the board was supposed to tell me what to do. No, your job is to train the board. That is unfortunately, or fortunately, the way it is, depending how you look at it, if you don't train the board, who's going to train them? They're not going to automatically come to an understanding. So there's a whole concept of leadership that exists in this as well, where you are involved now in administering your program. You're also involved in helping to train your board. This is how we want to work together. This is what we want to accomplish. This is how we want to move to the future. Well, um, whoops, wrong way. Prepare yourself for plenty of hard work. It will take longer and cost more than you expected, but the rewards will be greater than you expect. Now, I'm going to share just briefly. You have this packet of information before you. And uh, you can look at that in your leisure. Um, What happens when you finish a strategic plan is that you are able then to produce these things. Right now, without a strategic plan, it's going to be hard for you to tell your donors why you need, for instance, a new girls dormitory. But in your packet, you will find the Harvard Hills Academy launching the vision campaign case statement. This isn't only an example for you. This is not in its completed form yet. We're still working on this, but you can pull this out and look at it. And it's an example of how a strategic plan will help you to present to those who are supporting your organizations what you are doing. It helps you to be able to prepare these documents and to say, this is why we're doing this. So um, here's what we say. Uh, Let's go down to about the... um, hmm. I want to see which paragraph this is. Um, This is the second paragraph from the bottom. One of the major projects of our Launching the Vision campaign, and over the next three to five years... We need to raise about $3.5 million to complete this strategic plan. That's a large goal. That's a lot of money. That almost sounds ridiculous, doesn't it? But you know what? We have a plan that we are working on to accomplish this. We believe 
that people are going to be excited when they see us moving forward according to a plan. So, uh, this says, we, uh, second sentence, we believe that every young lady should be provided with living accommodations with, which will enhance her academic, spiritual, emotional, and physical training and development. Harbert Hills Academy has never had a girls' dormitory. Currently, the girls are crowded into two older homes. We're presenting the case. All of this comes from your strategic plan. This is the case. This is why we need a girls' dormitory. Right now, these girls are crowded into two little homes. Every bed is full. This year, we're turning girls, we're putting girls on a waiting list at Harbert Hills Academy because there's not enough space. That's your case. That's why that you can appeal to your donors for help because you have presented your case. You said, this is the situation. We've got some girls that need a place to live. So you can present your case in a logical way. You can say, look, this is our plan. This is our strategic plan. This is what we're planning to do. This is our need. Would you help us? Down to the next paragraph. After spending significant time in the planning and design stages, we're excited to be ready to begin the construction of the new girls' dorm. Since contributions are the only source of funding for this project, your help is essential. You're appealing to your donors now. Will you assist us in providing a comfortable living environment for our young ladies? The investment you make today will pay off in their lives tomorrow. So again, all of this can happen in the context of a solid strategic plan. It can happen for your organization. You can get on track with strategic planning. I'd like to uh, just allow you to ask a few questions if you have any here at this point. We've got just a few minutes left as we finish up. If you have a question, uh, any questions at this point, okay. If, if not, we're going to, uh, you know, end the seminar at this point. But if you have questions, anybody has a question, I'll be happy to answer that. Because we're recording this, I'll need to repeat your question for the uh, recording so that that will be able, others would be able to hear. Um, yes, sir. The question is, if you have a small organization that's just starting, how much of this would you need to go through in order to come up with something that would be effective? Sure. Obviously, if you have an organization that's just starting, you would need to have, you would have a smaller constituency. You're not going to have parents and clients and all this stuff at this point. You're saying, this is our dream. This is what we want to do. But I would say you would be wise to surround yourself with some friends and some wise counselors and to sit down and to create for that organization your vision of the future. Because if you don't create for your organization that vision of the future, then how are you going to get there? And so bring some wise counselors around yourself and create that vision. I want to share one more thing. We had in our strategic plan here a goal for our institution that we would be at 50 students within five years. We thought that's pretty ambitious. We had about five students a year. We were at 18 students as we ended this uh, past school year. Let me tell you something. You just, you, your expectations will net what happens. This year we will start school with about 40 students. So more than doubling our enrollment in one year as a result of sitting down and thinking strategically about where the organization is, where it wants to be, and let's find a path to get there from here. I have not, uh, the question is, am I personally aware of any other academies in the U.S. that have done a kind of this extensive strategic planning process? I'm sure there's some that probably have. I'm not personally aware of them. Um, I, I know that, um, 
we, we got involved. We said, well, we need to do this, so let's move ahead and do it. We didn't necessarily look to see if there were other schools that were doing it. The question was, uh, how do you integrate your faith into this, and, and you need all the numbers in place to make this work, etc. Well, let me answer that. When we started this, we didn't even have money to pay for the plan. We did not have money. We hired a consultant, and I told him, I said, I don't have money to pay you, but I'd like to have you. He said, well, that's a good idea, but uh, we need some money here. I said, well, you wait. I said, you wait. I'm going to work on the money end. We'll see if we can find some money. Well, I ended up getting, um, it cost about $30,000 to hire this consultant. So it's a significant investment. Let me state that up front. Significant investment. I got $10,000. I called him. I said, I've got $10,000. He said, I'll tell you what. I normally don't even move unless I get half my money. But for you, I'm going to help you. I said, oh, praise the Lord. He said, I'll come. I'll get started. But I said, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to do you a favor. He said, I'm not, I'm not going to let you go past what I can pay you for. I said, so if it comes to the point, we're going to get started. If we can't pay for it, we'll tell you stop. So as an act of faith, I stepped out. I said, I believe God wants us to do this and have a plan. I believe it's for the future of this organization. If we don't do this, did you know that most self-supporting schools close after 60 years? Madison. 59, 60 years. They last about that length of time. A lot of organizations last one generation plus a little bit, and then they kind of fizzle. And so we said, we're going to do this, and we stepped out in faith. Got to the point where I just about didn't have any more. You know, I said, you worked about that much, and I can't pay you anymore. And we got another contribution. And we're able to finish paying for his services. And people were asking along the way, what are you doing? You don't have any money. You're saying you're going to do a bunch of things. You don't have any money to do this stuff. I said, you're right. I don't have any money to do this stuff, but we're making a plan to do this stuff, and I believe God's going to bless. We just about had completed our strategic plan. The board had not adopted it yet, but there were a lot of people asking questions. You spent $30,000, $40,000 doing a strategic plan. You've spent all this money, and you don't have any money to do the first thing in that strategic plan. A lady called me up, and she said, you know, appreciate uh, what you've done, and uh, my mother was associated with your organization, and I'd like to send you a little gift. She passed away, and we'd like to send you a little gift. I said, praise the Lord. I said, right now, we're in the process of the strategic plan. I said, we could really use that help. And a, a few days later, I got a check in the mail for $35,000. And that wasn't something I planned. I had no idea it was coming. I didn't know where we were going to get the money to carry forward some of these actions that were required by our strategic plan. But that gave us a launch where we were able to get started and people are looking around now and they're saying, they are going to do something. They, they really are going to do something. They are, they got some stuff on the list here and they're trying to do it. And that creates more momentum, which generates more enthusiasm, which generates more interest. And so it's a building, pro and it's a whole faith process. We didn't have a single thing in place. We had nothing when we started. But we did step out in faith. And I believe that every strategic plan will be an act of faith. I don't think God's going to give you a whole bunch of money to go do a strategic plan with. But I believe He will bless you when you start. It's a great time for you to stop and do some significant planning. Do I recommend hiring a $30,000 consultant? I don't know. But what I'm telling you is you probably need somebody that's going to come from the outside that's going to help you. Because if we hadn't had this consultant, I would say we would not be where we are today. And that's just the bottom line of where it is. Thank you today. I appreciate you coming. May God bless you. If you have other questions, I'll be around for a few minutes and would be happy to talk with you. This media was produced by Audioverse for ASI, Adventist Layman's Services and Industries.
If you would like to learn more about ASI, please visit www.asiministries.org. Or if you would like to listen to more free online sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.